Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. For the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think. Jamil Zanachef and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy. Hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. Ah, <laughs> uh, back for another lovely session of uh, Bruce Strong. Indeed. I think we have a special guest this time. Special meaning? Well, you limited. know, I mean, paired, I, I consider Scott a friend, not a guest. Uh, wow. I'm show by show, I'm improving. <laughs> You are. You're still. Yeah, you're, you're not normal still, anymore, Scott. Yeah, you are special. Ah, <laughs> uh, I don't know how to take that, so I'll just take it as a compliment. Thanks. My mom always you're said well. the same thing. <laughs> yes, Speaking you are special. Of special son, you are special. Like our like our special friend John Blickman. Blickman uh, Engineering. Yes. BlickmanEngineering.com. Does, does Blickman have a son? No. No. He's got daughters. He does. Yes. yes. I wonder, do you think uh, anyone calls their son's son any longer? Is that a vestige of the past? I miss that. I never, no, got, I never no, got called I would, son. I would call my son's son. Would you? I'd be like, do. son. You do, John? Yeah. yeah. Oh, good man. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's, you can't say daughter. Right. That's, that's, what, that's why I was asking about Blickman. You know, if, if there was an equivalent word for daughter, like there is son, you know, a single syllable where you can kind of drag it out and you can go, Son, you know it's, you can use it's that. Un, yeah, you know you can you can you can use that to affect. You can't do daughter. You know it, it just doesn't <laughs> doesn't sound right. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, 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 you know, but son, that that works. Or you can get son. You know it, that's a, that's a useful tool right there. Yeah, teach your kid to uh, do the gangster talk. What's up, son? <laughs> son, I'm talking about like the uh, the the beaver cleaver type thing. You know, son, oh, you put a hand on the shoulder and you right. impart some life advice. Absolutely. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I impart the life advice to the daughters, like just like John Blickman does to his daughters. Although, I'm not sure it's good advice that he's giving them. Um, it would be uh, John Blickman advice. And uh, that, that, that could be, I don't know. I don't know. I it may s- be appropriate for Indiana. <laughs> no, I. I, I would say it's inappropriate for even internet radio. <laughs> you know, some of the advice he gives. I don't know if you were walking with him when we were going to dinner at CBC. <laughs> no. But there are some things that man says that I that I just got a double, I do a double take and make sure it was John that said them. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, did he really just say that? And I... I know he thinks he can say these things to me because I have talked about my avocado-sized testicle. <laughs> I've talked about, you know, Your so many spots. things. My 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 white spots. I've talked about so many things, and uh, have really, you know, opened the kimono 
Um, <laughs> so I think he thinks he can say these things to me uh, without offending me. And he can really just uh, really cut loose. So he does. I'll tell you what, he also cuts loose on fine engineering and making great uh, homebrew. He does not hold anything back. He doesn't. He doesn't. He puts all his passion and his love right into that that equipment. You can sometimes see the stains. I'm just telling you, you can check out (laughs) BlickmanEngineering.com. Great people. I I love hanging out with the Blickman folks because it's all a bunch of really bright people that are passionate about, uh, you know, what they do. And uh, very cool to hang out with them. They're going to all be at the uh, Homebrewers Conference in June in San Diego. Definitely. So you gotta you, you gotta go check them out. Go see them at their booth. Hang out with them. You'll you'll realize how how much fun and uh, and how knowledgeable they are. So uh, they've been sponsoring the show for a long time. Uh, the least you can do is stop by and say say thank you. All right. Show for today is going to be on. Uh, we need to get right to it because. I know Neil. There's going to be a ton. We've got our, our special guest, our good friend uh, Neil Spake. He's been uh, he did uh, Kenya Brewit with us. He's done Brew Strong with us. He's done it all with us. He's very knowledgeable on uh, everything like Scottish brewing and uh, English brewing. He's spent uh, a lifetime of passion uh, and a lot of air miles uh, going over there and, and learning about it. So he's going to talk to us today about uh, Party Guile. Brewing and specifically how it's done at Fuller's and how he does it himself and some of the some of the ways we t- we covered Party Guy before and uh, we did a okay Neil says we did a solid job on it but I think there's more that we can learn I think it's oh, it's yeah. of interest to a lot of brewers uh, Neil are you there with us Yep I'm here uh, was that an thanks adequate, for having me was that an adequate intro for you Neil Yeah absolutely oh, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Neil's a great guy. We we have hung out before. Uh, he went to GABF with us, and we had a we yeah, had a good time. <laughs> uh, all right, talk to us about party, party gal. Now, give, give us a little brief uh, historical background on on party gal, and uh, you know the the process and and that. What does party gal okay. actually mean? Well, party guile means multiple guiles, basically. A guile in old Victorian Britain was basically a batch of beer. Um, So party guile was multiple beers from one mash, basically. And it was invented by the Victorians uh, in the 18th century. And mostly, just like everything else in the Industrial Revolution, to get the most out of their ingredients, to get the maximum extract from the barley, as well as full utilization of their equipment. They were masters in in building factories that were very efficient at that time. Uh, so what they would do was they would mash in, let the uh, barley convert, then they would uh, fill the ton the rest of the way with liquor so they didn't sparge. They just topped up, and then they ran off into what they call a copper, a kettle, and these were called the first runnings. And then once they got that kettle filled, they would fill the ton up again, let it sit for a little bit to convert whatever might be left, run that copper or that work off into the second copper. And in some cases, they would fill it up a third or even a fourth time. I have some Scottish historical records where they actually did do four mashes. 
uh, and they would use the the third runnings for really weak beers. Um, so when they did this, obviously you get the strongest extract in the first word, and so that's what they would use for a strong ale. The second would be their standard or normal bitter, and then the third would be table or wheat beer. Um, if you read some of uh, Randy Mosher's classic Brewer's Companion, he goes through this in some detail and kind of gives some rules of thumb for how you can figure out what the extract split would be when you're doing this method. Um, I find it really complicated, and that's why I, I kind of look more towards how Fuller's does it now. But he, he recommends that you either use a one-third, where the first third of the runnings is the, the strong work, and it's twice as strong because half of your extract comes from the first third. But again, I think this is not an exact thing. It's a rule of thumb. And uh, he also gives some explanation for splitting it 50-50, where he gives a table so that you can kind of figure out volume-wise what kind of gravity you could expect. Um, I got the, the most of this information back when I did the interview with Fuller's for the Can You Brew It shows. And just prior to talking to John Keeling, their head brewer, uh, about the recipes themselves, I sat down with him and spent probably 20 minutes talking about their party guile process. And that's where most of this information comes from. So what John told me was that uh, a sparging was actually discovered by the Scots. Um, and they adopted it at Fuller somewhere around 1880 from what he can tell in their records. So th that was the move to, to just what we know brewing as today. You mash in, you don't top up, but you sparge, and you, you run off again. But again, originally, they just uh, would, would mash it, sparge it, run it off into the, the first copper, and then do the same thing, uh, sparge it a second time to get whatever was left in there. And then they would blend those beers um, uh, to get the types of beers that they wanted. Um, and then it's, he said, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say um, blending wort or blending fermented beer? They blend the wort, uh, yeah. They blend the I wort. believe in... In this case, they blended the wort. Uh, we'll get to the beer part in a little bit. Okay. Because um, it's, it's done differently today. Um, then, obviously, he said, just like every other brewery, uh, that wasn't enough output. So now they implemented two mash tons, and they would mash the same recipe at the same time and run them both off into a copper, and then they would sparge the second time in both of those to get another copper and boil it. Uh, and again, it was just to, to get the most out of this equipment and the ingredients. Uh, and he did make a comment that he had visited the Guinness Brewery in London um, just before, sometime before it closed. And at that time, they had nine mash tons doing this style of brewing. And as far as I know, Fuller's is the only commercial brewery left in the world that uses the party guile method so that's pretty much uh the the historical basis of it all right let's do all this right. let's take a short break and when we come back i want to hear more about uh you know what they're doing today at fuller's that's different than what they did in the past and how that 
how that compares. Okay. All right. Let's do that. Let's take a short break. We'll be back right after this. Tonight is the night. We bring the creature to life, Dr. Blitzenstein? Yes, J.P. Law. Everything is perfect for my next fermented creation. My father, the storm is too far away. We'll never have enough power to isomerize the creature's alpha acid. <laughs> yes, J.P. Law, we will. For I have in my possession the Tower of Power! <laughs> Glickman's new Tower of Power is the evolution of automation. Control hot liquor, sparge, and mash temps like a pro. The Tower of Power is a high-quality gas-fired rim system that works with your current brewing setup. With ultra-precision, the tower can hold your mash to one-half of a degree Fahrenheit. Precision and repeatability. The Tower of Power is the answer to automatic, fast ramp times. See more at BlickmanEngineering.com. Bring your next creation to life with the Tower of Power. Dr. Blickmanstein, with the Tower of Power, you can probably give me an afternoon at the pub to enjoy. Don't be silly, J.P. We have beer to brew. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. The National Homebrew Conference is coming up this summer, and More Beer wants to send you. To celebrate 20 years of serving homebrewers, More Beer is giving away two full pass registrations to the 2015 National Homebrew Conference, June 10th through 13th. That's right, two full passes, full access to all the presentations, club night, and pro brewers night, two seats to the grand banquet and award ceremony, two one-year membership gift cards to the American Homebrewers Association, four-night stay at the beautiful town and country resort, round-trip air fair to and from the San Diego airport. Two VIP passes to the Brewing Network Zone anniversary party. A $250 prepaid Visa gift card for food and your other expenses. And dinner with the More Beer crew. Visit morebeer.com for all the details and to enter. You can enter once a day through April 15th and the winner will be drawn on April 25th. If you've already purchased your registration to the event and seats to the Grand Banquet, those fees can be refunded. Enter today at morebeer.com. BN Army, I'm here to talk seriously for a second. You all are partially responsible for something explosive, and it's time you answer for it. Moonlight Meadery is exploding. Yeah, exploding across the country. Wait, they just landed in Australia with insane quality meads. With nearly 70 different varieties of mead on the market, Moonlight Meadery has blown up the mead category and completely reinvented it. Seriously? What? Seriously. What? You're paying money for that watered-down mead when you could have a Moonlight Mead? Moonlight Meads explode with quality and flavor. They're a party in a bottle. Did someone say party? 
If you want need and want the best, you want needs from Moonlight Metery and will accept nothing less. And now get 15% off by going to moonlightmetery.com forward slash BNARMY and use coupon code BNARMY at checkout. Hey, sign me up for that party. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking uh, party guile uh, brewing with uh, our good friend Neil Spake, who's a bit of an expert on uh, traditional Scottish and English uh, brewing techniques. Been to the Fuller's a, a number of times. Wants to uh, do interviews for us for Kenya Brew, which turned out incredibly successful. Uh, Neil, so you were talking about the, you know, historically how Party Guile was done at, at Fuller's, and you you hinted at uh, they're doing something different today. I mean, you know, the multiple mash tons, but how else does the process differ today? Okay. Uh, today, as, as John clearly clarified in the historical side, the Fuller's process today involves blending beers they do the blending after the boil uh-huh. so that that brings some some new uh new things you have to think about but john was pretty adamant uh when i was there to make sure that everyone understood that he's not talking about uh like some some of the big three brewers that do a high gravity and then they water it down to mm-hmm. get it to a, the right extract that's not what they do they they actually blend the the work from from each of these after they've been boiled with hops mm-hmm. um so and they they can do uh he he described in in tons of detail i've got some other notes where they, they do either two beers or three beers at a time so they they roughly have four beers that they do this way the uh, one is their golden pride which is about an eight and a half percent basically an english barley wine mm-hmm. fuller's esb which we heard about on the show London Pride, which is their standard bitter, and then Chiswick Bitter, which you can't get in America. That was Michael Jackson, not the hee-hee, but the real Michael Jackson. His favorite. Hey, don't make fun of us skin-challenged yeah. people. Hey, just because he has vitiligo doesn't make him worthy right. of being made fun right. of, man. God. You are not allowed to make had, fun of us people. I'm just saying. I had to throw that in there after the last <laughs> show. I just had to. <laughs> So, so anyway, those are those are the beers they brew with this method. Mm-hmm. So I asked. So they're Don, they're running them them off in these different strengths. They are fermenting them in these different strengths, and then they blend the the beers to get their various strengths. They're 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 still uh, doing the party guile mashes, fermenting actually, those and blending them. No, let me let me uh, clarify that. Uh, when I say beer, I mean wort that's been boiled with hops. Yes. They, they blend the beers prior to fermentation. Oh, okay. Yeah, we don't, call them, we don't call them beer until we got yeast in them. Okay. Well, I call them beer because they have hops. That, that's right. an old right. traditional thing. Okay. So, yes, uh, thanks for the clarification. Yep. They, yep. they blend these beers prior to fermentation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Right. So, uh, like I said, in, on the homebrew scale... Um, I've done this a few times, and you can easily do something like a fuller CSB and and the low gravity Chiswick bitter really mm-hmm. easily in a in a nice 15 gallon Blickman boiler maker mash tun. 
if you've got a couple boil kettles that can handle it. Mm-hmm. So the way they do this is they calculate how, what beers they're going to brew for that day. And so let's say it's those two beers. They get the individual recipe for each of those beers, and they add up all the ingredients. So the grain for ESB plus the grain for Chiswick Bitter goes in the mash tun. The whole thing gets mashed. Mm-hmm. That's why when they do the second runnings, I don't really call them second runnings because you've already accounted for the fact that this is two beers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're lower gravity when they come out, but you did it with the intent knowing you're going to blend some of the higher gravity stuff in with it to get it to the gravity you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So after that, I asked him about hopping. So the grain is pretty straightforward. Just add it together and mash the grain and then run it off into two, two barrels, mm-hmm. uh, coppers. Uh, the hopping, they treat differently because the higher gravity work uh, obviously will extract bitterness at a different utilization than the lower gravity. So I don't think there's any exact science to this, but what they do is they take the total amount of bittering hops in quantity and they put the two-thirds of it in with the high-gravity beer and boil it for 60 minutes and one-third in the low-gravity beer and boil that for 60 minutes. So uh, where they get that, I don't know. And I do have a note here because I I asked him, and I think this was in the Bruce Strong shows, I always ask, well, what percentage of the total hop rate do you account for bittering? And he, they target about 80% of their IBU goes in for the bittering content. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, you so, know, I wonder, it's, it's almost, um, I think a lot of times when you're, when you're guessing at something or when you're, when you're doing something, there's, there's this natural order to the world. Yeah, and, I think uh, you're right. And sometimes when you're like, well, you know, we're getting two-thirds of our extract and one-third, and it, it just becomes like, well, we'll do a two-thirds, one-third in the hops. You know, I, I, I think that it just kind of makes some sort of natural sense and seems to work out. I don't think there's, you know, anything more complex than that. Right. That's logical. Yeah, and, you know, they, they've been doing it for hundreds of years. So. Right. Uh so, uh, obviously, if you're thinking of this from a home brewer's perspective, that it does constrain you to both beers having the same bittering profile and, in most ways, the same flavor and aroma. Because if you were to, to drastically late hop one or the other, you really have to keep conscious of, well, what happens when I blend these beers? Mm-hmm. If, if if I use different hop character for the flavor and aroma additions, what's going to happen when I blend them? So they use the exact same hop mix in all four of these beers. Mm-hmm. Well, and could, so, you, uh, could you do your blend and then, uh, you know, dry hop one, not dry hop the other, use some different hops? Great question. And that's exactly what we found out with, the like, the ESB. They dry hop at ESB in the fermenter. They dry hop it again in the conditioning tank. And then in the cask version gets dry hopped when the cask leaves the factory. And Chiswick Bitter is the same way. It, get, it doesn't get any dry hops in the fermenter or in the conditioning vessel, but it does get dry hopped on the way out the door. And it does lend a really nice character to that low-gravity beer. Mm-hmm. Now, that's the place where if you're, if you're not trying to clone... 
you could do something different at those stages if it made sense mm-hmm. to make those beers a little more unique. Mm-hmm. Right. Blending the words really, really kind of, you know, ties you into that one character. Because if you were, if you were not blending the words um, or the beers, you could, uh, you know, run one off. And then, you know, you can throw in some crystal malt, some black malt, things like that, and then run the second one off, and you can, you know, change it up that way. Yeah? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's the, whether you do it with the old method or the sparging method, that, that is the, the essence of, of what we classically know as party guile brewing. Mm-hmm. That's exactly the type of things they do. And I didn't bring that up too much here because I think you guys covered that pretty well in the last show. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this is just a little bit different take on uh, that I thought was really interesting for how they do this. Right, right. It is, yes. Well, and um, how 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 does the math work on this? I mean, do you have some some pointers for folks on how they should you know calculate this, or you know, cause that's the big big problem people come across. They're like, okay, I want to do this. I see an opportunity for me to load up my mash tun and get myself 15 gallons of beer, different three different beers, uh, all off of one mash. I'm going to save myself a bunch of time. I'm going to utilize my ingredients fully. You know, hit me with, with some math. Yeah, and that's where a lot of people give look at it and give up, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, but I took a very practical, straightforward approach, and I don't know if it helps doing this a few times. But I just basically created a spreadsheet, um, and you you catalog. So basically, when you're done boiling, you've chilled your beers down, you measure the gravity in each one, and you put that gravity in the spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. So you've got a high-gravity wort, you've got a low-gravity wort mm-hmm. to work with. And then you just kind of play with the numbers. You take that gravity. So like, like if the first wort was 1.060, I know you discussed Play-Doh. I work in original gravity. I'm one of the old guys. Um, so if I'm thinking 1060 uh, in gravity points, I would just drop that 1.0 and just say 60 points of gravity in the high-gravity beer. Mm-hmm. And then you multiply that times the number of gallons of that beer you're going to put in that particular beer. Mm-hmm. So if I'm if I have a high-gravity beer and a low-gravity beer, I'm going to put X percent of high-gravity work times 60 to give me a number of points, and X gallons of low-gravity work, say, in this case, it was 22, uh, and you just add those together, and you play with the volumes in the spreadsheet. It's not complicated. It's pretty much just straightforward Excel, volume times gravity potential. And then when you when you add up the total points for each, and you know the batch size you want to hit, then your total points divided by your batch size for an individual beer will will give you the gravity of that beer. So, in other words, you've got these two sources of wort. You've got a high gravity and you got a low gravity. And so you've you've made these beers before. Uh, you know how many how much points you're going to get. And what you're saying is combine those two malt bills, right, into one mash tun. You're going to run these out into a high-gravity wort and a low-gravity wort. Then you're looking at 
you know, your high gravity wort's too high, blend in some low gravity wort to to your five gallon, five and a half gallon batch to get where you want. And then yep. the remainder uh, is going to be your low gravity beer. And it's mainly low gravity wort with a little high gravity wort added in. And that's going to give you your other five and a half gallons of wort. And there's your two beers, right? And so that's you, exactly right. You yep. make a spreadsheet that does that, or you could do it with three beers. You could make one that's, you know, more high gravity, and then a little of the high gravity goes in with some of the, you know, fifty-fifty with the low gravity, and then the last one's all low gravity, and there you've got three beers now. Absolutely, yeah. And you you don't even have to keep the same volume size if you wanted to mm. do like a, a English barley wine. And a standard bitter, and then some real low gravity bitter. Maybe your barley wine is only two and a half gallons or two point seven five gallons mm-hmm. of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But it all still comes down to the math. You're absolutely right. You got three words. You know what gravity you want in the beer. You just figure out the percentage volume you want. Mm-hmm. So, as an example, I'll just give a quick example. About three weeks ago, I brewed uh, London Pride and Chiswick Bitter. So that's their standard and their low gravity bitter. Um, together, and uh, I was shooting, I, I brew like a 13-gallon batch, hoping to get, you know, six gallons or so for each batch uh, with losses, because I have quite a bit of loss. But uh, what it worked out to, basically, was for London Pride, which is about a 1047, 1048 beer, uh, three and three-quarters gallons of the high gravity and one and three-quarter gallons of the low gravity. And when I measured them blended, it was dead on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so with the other one, surprisingly, because it doesn't always work out this way, the other one was just the flip side. It was one and three-quarter gallons of the high-gravity wort and three and three-quarters of the low-gravity to get me the 1034 that I wanted for the Chiswick Bitter. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, and a, I'm a big fan of the fermentation. Bitter. Yeah. So you, you boil, oh, I know. It, you boil it, it. It's yeah. a brilliant beer. You add your hops. And, uh, you know, ferment, you can add uh, dry hops, things like that. You can you can have a lot of creativity with, with something like that. Yeah. You could even, uh, you know, mess with the extract in the kettle. You could add, uh, you know, you, I, I imagine you could do, uh, you know, party guile Belgian ales, you know. And, uh, oh, I'm sure, yeah. Add some candy sugar to one and not to the other. You could, you know, there's, there's a lot of things you could do with, with this kind of technique. And I think it, it really uh, lends itself well to the home brewer. I don't think it lends itself well to a lot of commercial breweries because I think you have to be set yeah. up for it. But on the homebrew scale, I think you can play with this a lot and have a lot of interesting things in it. And you and you can get multiple beers from one mash, which is uh, really very neat. And I think you know yeah, a, lot it of, is. a lot of times people are thinking, well, you know, it's it's not, you know. They're thinking it's just one standard mash. What you're saying is, you know, add together the ingredients for multiple beers into that mash. Yes. And use that. I think that makes a a big, big difference because I was judging uh, at the Cerveza Fest in San Antonio last year, and we were doing English Mild, and we ran across one, the guy I was judging with, I said, that's a second running spear. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what do I mean by second running spear? Well, that that's the old style party guile, and you can taste the additional graininess and stuff in the beer. That doesn't happen so much with this because of what you just said. You're taking two recipe 
and adding them together. So you're really mashing both recipes at the same time. There really is no second runnings mm-hmm. per se mm-hmm. because you're blending them. You're, you're mashing with the intent of blending when you're finished. Right. It's, and I, I, I totally agree. I think it's really, really a neat system, and you're, the sky's the limit. You're right. You could brew just about any kind of styles this mm-hmm. way. Well, and, and and the problem with uh, you know the, the other method is you end up with a, a second runnings beer that's tannic, grainy, uh, thin, lacking in body. Right. Right. And you don't have that with this method. No. No. All right. That's good stuff. Let's take another short break. I think it's our last short break. Yes. Oh no, we got one more after this. Oh my God. Uh, so we need to take a break. And, uh, Gotta pay we, the bills. Maybe get go. some questions from the chat room or something. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll be back right after this. Nico, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until okay, the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines, so I'm the professional. <clears throat> Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. A few things happened 30 years ago. Arfanet migrated to TCPIP, and the Internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that Hop Tech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. Hop Tech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and the gadget guy Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit the store in Dublin, California and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of Citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. 
Morning to Brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking uh, Pirate Gale Brewing with uh, our good friend Neil Spake. All right, uh, so where were we? We were talking uh, recipes and uh, really the sky's the limit on this. Um, what other reasons do we have for 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 brewing party guile? What is it that uh, is so attractive about this, Neil? I mean, you you're, well, you're a real I, big proponent. I am. A, well, I'm, I don't brew it like every week, but yeah, I'm a pretty big proponent of it. Um, one thing I like, obviously, I'm always conscious about my brew day. Mm-hmm. So, in in a little more than an extra hour, or we give or take, I tend to have two beers uh in the same amount of time on my brew day to me that's a big deal oh yeah i get two five gallon beers that are are different from not a whole lot extra time um and i do think just as we alluded to before the break the blending of these beers really uh, i think it helps the lower gravity beers by giving them some more character mm-hmm. uh, i'll take another example another place i applied this that i thought worked out tremendously well was a strong scotch ale and a 60 shilling because the strong scotch uh, did some some boil reduction. I'm not a, I don't like to do too much of that because I don't want it to get too far, but just that richness that you add to that lower gravity 60 shilling really brings that beer up in its character because, as you mentioned, that stuff like 60 shilling and English mild can be really watery at times if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. Um, and this kind of thing really helps helps to give more character to those low gravity beers in particular. Um, and the you you could just like we mentioned, it, I, I've, I've talked about the Fuller's method, and they are pretty strict about their hopping profiles. But to the home brewer, you know that's why we do this hobby. Uh, just play with it, uh, hop it differently, whatever you feel like doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's it's just really a fun thing to do. And at the end of the day, you're keeping a very historical brewing process going with new creative ideas, and I just think that's really a cool concept. Mm-hmm. Well, you could even, uh, you know, pitch different yeasts. You know, absolutely, uh, yeah. A, a pack of, uh, you know, Cal ale, a pack of, you know, English ale, or you know, a pack of Belgian yeast, a pack of lager yeast, fermented at different temperatures. I mean, you've got a lot of flexibility there. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Not to mention all the dry hopping options you could use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the math really isn't that hard either. It's really not that difficult when you think of it as combining these two recipes. Uh, I think it's much more difficult to just say, okay, here's a mash, figure out what we think the first runnings would be ahead of time. And you just don't worry about that. You You know the recipes. You know their gravity potentials, and you add them together, and it makes the math a lot simpler. Because even if you're off, you know, this is home brewing. You can't get all upset, like, oh, crap, my high-gravity wort was 1058. supposed to be 1060. Right. Big deal. Play yeah. with the numbers. Makes almost you know, no difference. Get it in where you want. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't. And you're working with the real thing. So when you measure the gravity after it's been chilled, you can't go wrong. Yeah, at, at worst, you end up with beer, and then you've learned something. <laughs> you can exactly. use that for next yeah. time. 
Yeah, it's hard, really hard to to fault, uh, you know, giving things a try in homebrewing. That's the whole purpose. Absolutely. Well, and uh, any other questions, John, for for Neil about uh, Party Gal Brewing? Um, Not that are leaping off the page. Um, I guess... You know, it's interesting to look back at, um, you know, British beers and historical brewing practice and kind of understand where a lot of uh, today's styles, you know, were influenced by the, this method. I mean, you mentioned, you know, the Scottish uh, ales, um, 60, 70 shilling, 80 shilling, um, as well as the, you know, milds and, and bitters and so on. Um and I, and I think I, well, in I'm w- intrigued by the fact that, um, you know, making a uh, or splitting the wort and then recombining to get the desired gravities ensures a you know a um, a higher quality uh, wort for the smaller beer than what you would get from simply you know uh, taking a second runnings or a third runnings. And fermenting it, right. So yeah. I think those, the, that's a good point for for listeners to keep in mind is you know what you know, what makes this technique you know special and and uh, applicable to home brewing. That was always the thing for me was the second runnings are always you know more tannic, more more grainy, thinner. Yeah, and the first runnings are always much more rich and full, and yeah. uh, you know. Uh, I, I I always uh, was like, well, you know, you blend in a little bit of the second runnings to, you know, cut down the the first runnings, but you don't really put the first runnings into the second running. So that's an, an interesting point. Um, you know, Neil, we we touched briefly on some of the lower gravity beers, and I see this as something for uh, you know the various levels of bitter, just like the various levels of uh, Scottish ale. But I don't, you know, um, you know, like milds. Uh, did they ever party guile mild, or I mean, was that from oh, like a like yeah. a big stout? Or yeah, or a porter. I would uh-huh. think. Uh, but I think when those started out, they were traditional second running kind of beers. Well, I thought that like mild back in the day was uh, you know not hoppy. And it would be like an eight percent not hoppy beer, and they would bl- and you know it's interesting because there was a lot of blending that went on back then. They would have their their mild, they would have their you know their their stale, then they'd have their you know they'd have their hoppy beer and their their stale beer, the one that was sour, and they'd have the one that was mild. And they blend the three together in order to get you know the proper balance of of beer, right? Yeah. Yeah, very much so, especially when you bring in the stale, sour elements, especially porters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt that they did that. Right. I, I think the some some miles were, because were, actually I've seen some Scottish records where it's like a uh, 80 shilling and a Scottish mild written in the in the notes. Wow. And basically the, the mild is just the second runnings mm-hmm. of the 80, and since they're boiled separately, they can hop it however they want. Okay. Because they're not blended. Right. It's the old style of yeah, party mm-hmm. guiling. Well, and they, you know, back back in the day, they'd have the 120 shilling. They'd have the, you know, they'd have a whole 
range of these, and that was the the tax oh, amount yeah. per per barrel, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's all just a, a, an alcohol level game. Mm-hmm. The the character and the grist of the beers were almost identical. That's fascinating. So, uh, you know the historical impact on you know today's beers, and uh, like you're saying, it it's incumbent upon the homebrew crowd, I think, to really not let go of these historical traditions and not not lose this information. And we should all be, you know, uh, you know, taking part in preserving this history of brewing. Definitely. I, I totally agree. But that's it's not for everybody, I'll be honest, but... Uh... I'm totally with you. Uh, there's something to be said for brewing traditions. They develop for a reason, mm-hmm. and and just like you said, if you if you ever have the opportunity to walk into a pub in London and order a Chiswick bitter, which is basically 3.2 percent alcohol, mm-hmm. and taste how much character that beer has, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like, oh my lord, why don't we have something like that here? Right, it's so, got a, a lot of malt, malt flavor. <laughs> yep. It's got a lot of uh, a, you know, fair amount of body. It's got the uh, the fermentation flavor. It's got the hop flavor. Really well done. And uh, yeah, it's just a beautiful beer. Yeah, I I go over there and I I steer for for all that sort of thing. There's a lot. Of, have, have you been recently? And you've seen all the American style beers that are there now. <laughs> I have I not been recently, but I know <sighs> that the uh, the trend is toward more American beers and. Uh, even breweries uh, in the center of England, you're starting to see all of their beers change more to IPAs, and yeah. and that that discourages me a little bit. I I understand where they're coming from, uh-huh, uh-huh. but I sure hope these traditional styles don't go by the wayside because of that. I'm I'm the same way, and I go over there, and I'm just like hey, I appreciate you know your creativity and the fact that you're brewing you know West Coast American West Coast IPA now, but. That's not what I'm here to drink. You know, I'm looking for, you know, I want the traditional English, the stuff that I cannot get. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just uh It's just right. kind of frustrating. Uh, but, it, you know, it's cool. I, I'm glad to see, you know, the, 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 the brewing culture in uh, England is, is, you know, taking on a new life and, uh, you know, a new, a new modern twist and, and some younger brewers are coming up although i've seen some new breweries that are brewing traditional english beers as well um uh, i went to uh, sambrook and they had their uh waddle 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 it's it's the name of a river uh Uh. bitter and they got a a medal at uh, like a gold medal at uh, gbbf for uh for bitter and uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Wandle, W-A-N-D-L-E. There you go, Wandle, and it's ah. it's it's fantastic. And they're they're a fairly new brewery. I think they've been around maybe. I'm, I'm just throwing numbers out here, like ten years or something or, or less. And yeah. uh, it's 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 excellent. And uh, you know, so I, I'm really encouraged by that. And then they've got a couple more, you know, modern things. Like they were like, oh, we're gonna you know dry hop something in the cask, which. And it's all cask beer. Oh, it's 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 fantastic. Found it two thousand eight. Yeah, two thousand eight. There you go. So seven years. Huh? See, I'm not that far yep. off. 
I pay sort of pay attention to things. I have some yeah. brain cells left from memories. Uh, but yeah, they were they're uh, fantastic. And so that encourages me that you know somebody is still like, well, you know, let's just let's not make all the new stuff that you know is real popular. <laughs> let's just make a really good traditional style. And they do some other yeah, things. But, I mean, you know, I, that just blew me away, and I was uh, very impressed with that. So, very cool. Let's take one more break, and when we come back, we'll wrap up with uh, Neil and Party Gal Brewing. Right after this. In a world where everything has been lost. What happened to the city? It's in ruins. Only one man has the ancient knowledge to restore civilization. (sighs) I need a drink. Oh no, the liquor store's been ransacked. You looking for beer, stranger? (laughs) Boy, all the liquor got drunk up in the first 25 minutes of the apocalypse. Wait, there's still some bottles over... Oh, no. Those are non-alcoholic beer. (laughs) I reckon you better stick to arrowroot tea and a desperate nomadic existence like the rest of us. People, I'm a home brewer. I know how to make alcohol. with me if you want the beer. Okay, I'm going to need some big plastic buckets. He is the chosen one. The prophecies say that he's going to get us wasted. Someone start heating water. From the creators of Northern Brewer, the people who brought you massive selection and superior customer service comes the home brewer. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer. Whether for yourself or as a gift, when you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the brewingnetwork.com. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. Yeah, you know, one thing that uh, struck me during the uh, break there was a bumblebee. <laughs> yeah, I jammed an EpiPen into his thigh. He should be all right. Right. <laughs> and we'll cover that in the next uh, Jay Z's medical corner. Uh, <clears throat> no, I, I was wondering, uh, Neil, if you wanted to kind of throw out a, a, a recipe or, or you know, some sort of uh, you know guidelines on a recipe that worked well for you. Uh, you know, mash temperature, ingredients, any any sort of thing that you you feel tends to work better as a party guy versus 
hasn't worked as well as a party cow? Uh, I don't know. I don't really have anything in front of me. Uh, but on that topic, obviously, you can go back and listen to those awesome Can You Brew It shows for London Pride and ESB mm-hmm. uh, and get some ideas there. The, the basic bill is 90% uh, Maris Otter uh, with a, a bit of crystal, about, I think, 7 8%, and then just a touch of chocolate malt. I think uh, keeping it simple does help. I don't think you want something overwhelming, especially uh, for the lower gravity beer. Um, but that's just my personal feeling. So, but things like more malty styles um, come through. But there's no reason you couldn't do uh, like a traditional IPA that's you know way off the scale and nothing but pale malt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then get a, a smaller beer out of that that you could just go crazy, you know, late hopping or mm-hmm. or dry hopping. Like, try some different know, things. IPA or double IPA and session IPA. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, actually, that that is with the trend going that direction. That'd be a great experiment, right? To right. to try to yeah to see if this blending technique actually keeps because I've had some session IPAs that I thought were indeed. A bit watery, mm-hmm. and I wonder if this would help that aspect. If you did a double or imperial mm-hmm. uh, with the other half, no, no, great, great suggestion. Well, we're trying, yeah, right? And you could blend some of that that high wort back into the session, and uh, exactly. really kind of you know bolster the uh, the, the mouth feel and uh, uh, the maltiness. Yeah, I think it does help because you're also. Uh, when you're boiling the other wort, you're boiling really high gravity wort, right? So you're going to get more, a little bit more melanoidins in there. That I think when you combine it with that low gravity beer that doesn't get as much of that, it really adds character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds good. And it, it doesn't honestly, it doesn't have to be a low gravity beer either. You could do something like like Golden Pride, which is an eight and a half percent English barley wine. And a standard bitter like London Pride in the same batch, if mm-hmm. you want it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be, you know, the concept that the second beer has to be this uh, 3.5% or less kind of beer. That, that's not necessarily true. You're just limited by how much your mash tun could handle. Mm-hmm. As it comes down to, you know, what what is your system capable of doing? Well, I think, uh, you know, if, if people think of it as imagine you were to just blend all the either run it all off into one giant kettle or you know you ran off into two kettles and then blended them equally you know you'd end up with uh you know 10 gallons or 15 gallons of you know six percent beer or whatever imagine you could take that those runnings and you could split off a higher gravity portion and a lower gravity portion and you you know you could pull out two beers or three beers or four beers or however many beers you wanted of varying varying strengths. Yeah, and which would really aid you in competitions too if you want to. If they're not all in the same category, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you could get a lot more beers per entry right. uh, out of just one one brew day. Yeah, yeah, I think it's fascinating, and, and I think this also lends itself well to batch sparging. So, uh, you know, fill up the kettle, you know, drain, you know, or the mash tun, you know, drain it into one kettle, 
fill it up again, you know, drain it into the next, you know, fill it up again, drain it into the next, and then here's your three three uh, words that you can you can blend together in whatever whatever fashion and boil uh you know with hops or you could you know boil them all the same hops and then blend them you know post post boil post topping yeah yeah definitely yeah fascinating yep i appreciate you you joining us neil um uh, i haven't oh i really appreciate you having me on yeah i've been feeling lonely out here <laughs> Well, you you mentioned this like probably a year ago, and I'm like, yeah, great, let's do it. And then I don't know, you know, what happened between then and now, what what took us so long. But uh, I guess we're all busy. We're all doing uh, yeah, lots of crazy times. stuff. I, yeah. I I I don't know if you know, but uh, I went to uh, GBBF uh, this last year, and uh, awesome. hung out there, and would have been great to have you have you with us. Uh, yeah, I would reason, have liked to go on. <laughs> for some reason, I didn't mention it to you. I don't know. I completely <laughs> forgot. I, you know, I get busy. I, I, you know. Oh, I know, I know. But it would have yeah. been awesome to have you with us. So I have some friends going this year as well, and I can't, I can't make it because of my schedule. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll get there. Believe me, it's on yeah. my life list. If I'm sure. going again, I'll, I'll make sure to let you know. What's it going to depend on? I know. What? Like whether, whether I let them know? Yeah. No, whether or not you go. Whether I go? Yeah. Ah, yeah, time, money. I, I'm going to Japan and South Korea here uh, in June. What are you doing in Japan? Uh, well, you know. Um, I asked because we the next uh, session episode on Monday is uh, right. craft beer in Japan. Yes, I'm right. going to. Uh, there's American beer in Japan uh, events. Hmm. I'm going to a couple of those, going with... Uh, you know, the the victory people and and uh, Mitch from Stone is going, and then uh, I'm taking my daughter with me too, and then we're gonna tour around a little bit, and then I've got a bunch of uh, events in Japan. Uh, one with uh, some home brewers. So if you're a home brewer in Japan, I'm gonna be there. We're gonna meet meet and greet and talk and sign and all that stuff. Don't admit that you're a home brewer though, because it's illegal in Japan. <laughs> Well, I'm not homebrewing in Japan. Oh, well, I'm saying, you know, calling all Japanese homebrewers hypothetically. Right, right. Uh-huh. And then yes. uh, South Korea, same sort of thing. Going to go out there and uh, get uh, distribution in South Korea as well, and we're going to kind of hang out there and do some stuff. Could be fun. You moving, you moving a lot of beer over there? I, I, well, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 just because I'm hearing, you know, uh, yeah. I, that there are a lot of American craft breweries are just uh, gaining a lot of popularity uh, there. A surprising amount. I mean, it's a drop in the bucket as compared to, uh, you know, what we sell in the U.S. or just, you know, around. We sell a ton of beer around California. Well, ge- geographically, Japan is a, a drop in the bucket uh, footprint-wise, so it stands to reason. It's right. It's a small right, place. Right. So, um, uh, yeah, it's, but it's surprising markets uh, that, that do quite well. Yep. All right. Well, thank you again, Neil. Uh, always wonderful to talk to you, my friend. Uh, I miss you. I wish uh, we could hang out some more, but uh, distance, time, and, and the business of beer is keeping us apart. Yeah. Thank you. So I'll see you at NHC for sure. All right. Oh, All good. Right. Yeah. All yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, make yeah, sure you there. let me know when you get there so we can uh, I can go buy you a beer. All right. Awesome. All right, Neil. Look forward to it. See you in San Diego, man. Thanks, Later. <laughs> He is a good guy. He's very knowledgeable and very uh, generous with his time and knowledge. Yep. I was uh, like hanging out with him. Yep. If you'd like to uh, support this kind of uh, wonderful uh, community service, really. Service, yes. <laughs> I would suggest going to uh, BlickmanEngineering.com and 
and uh, making sure you let them know how much you love that they sponsor this show. You'll see him at the the conference as well. Check them out. Uh, they got a great booth there and lots of great people. They're lots of fun. And uh, they would appreciate if you just walked up and said, hey, thank you for sponsoring Bruce Strong. We really enjoy the show. Or, hey, thank you for, for you know sponsoring Bruce Strong. It's really a good waste of my time or something like that. I wish, I wish I'd never started listening. Right. But yeah, thanks yeah. for sponsoring it. Right. It's like having a canker sore. It just won't go away. Uh, <laughs> and if you want to keep this canker sore going, I'd suggest going to the Brewery Network uh, slash dot com slash store. store. Buy some goodies there. Books, hats, growlers, shirts, whatever. All of it goes to the bottom line and keeps programming like this going. Until then, Bruce Strong, everybody. Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong.